Hey guys, hope you are doing well. My name is Sabir Bharti and a very warm welcome to the Sabir Bharti Show, a place for us to learn best practices for being more efficient and productive in our lives. Today's a very special guest is public speaking maestro and coach Luan John. I first met Luan um, back in 2004 when we studied together as classmates at uh, university and uh, I was thrilled to touch base with her again uh, just recently actually in 2020 and uh, I thought why not invite her onto the show. Based in uh, Trinidad, Luan helped her students uh, become self-assured speakers through her very own public speaking school, Increase Media. She's uh, appeared on uh, numerous TV shows and is also a published author. Her most recent book, Don't Be a Nervous Wreck, 101 Ways to Overcome Glossophobia, is available right now in a Kindle edition on Amazon. If you are interested in a public speaking, you can uh, reach out to Luan John on Instagram using the handle at increase.media. That's at increase.media. Luan also has her personal account on Instagram. You can uh, catch her there using her handle at as we wait group. That's at as we wait group. So all that's left for me to say now is please do sit back, relax and enjoy this conversation with Luan John. Luan, hello. Hi, Sabir. <laughs> how are you? How are you? I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, doing good. Thank you. <laughs> it's great to be here. <laughs> so good to so good to see you. It's been what well, I was working out the other day. It's been about fifteen yeah, years. It's been some years. Um, could could well be more than maybe eleven. I worked it out. It was around 15 years, I reckon. Stop it. Okay, yeah. What? Crazy how time flies. <laughs> I know. Well, it's good to see you. <laughs> how are you? You're looking uh, extremely fresh, extremely lively today. <laughs> I try, I'm trying my best. <laughs> good, good, good. How have you been? I've been good. I've been good. Um, obviously, it's been... Uh, a challenging time for everyone over the last year. Yeah, absolutely. But just, I guess, just trying to adapt. Um, it is what it is. Um, yeah. We're forced to stay at home. I'm not sure if you're aware, but we're in second lockdown now in the UK. That's what I heard. Yeah, another tier. So that's, uh, I was speaking to someone from the UK the other day and they were telling me that, you know, you guys are back on lockdown. And I thought, my goodness, because it's so frustrating sometimes, you know, um, over here in Trinidad, it's a bit more relaxed. Uh, we're able to go out. We have to wear our masks, of course, but we're able to go out. And, you know, so at least being able to go out, it does help, you know, it really does help. Yeah, but the first lockdown was quite challenging. Um, but yeah. I guess for me, it was because I do a lot of work from home anyway. So my kind of day to day didn't really change that much. Um, <clears throat> of course, we have restrictions, not allowed to yeah. go out. But yeah. um, for a lot of people who have work outside and who like to go out after work for drinks or dinner, it's challenging yeah absolutely absolutely you're stuck at home and that's that's a whole nother dynamic of being you know at home in the house with these people 24 7 you know that's a whole nother dynamic there in itself how have you, you found how have you found it with your family during this period um it's it, it actually 
it kind of worked. What we try to do, we try to um, stay in our separate rooms at times. So there are times when we're definitely on our own. And then we have, we try to do game time. So Scrabble has like become a big thing. <laughs> so we do Scrabble. So we have that game time, but we definitely have alone time, which I think is so, so important. Yeah, you're in your room, I'm in my room, or I'm in the kitchen or you're here or whatever. And, you know, that way we've been able to kind of maximize our space and things like that. So, so it has helped. <laughs> it has helped. Yeah, I was, um, I was down south in the country. I went to see my parents over the Christmas period. Yeah. And, uh, we played a lot of Scrabble as well. Scrabble. <laughs> Scrabble is the game of 2020. <laughs> now, Luan, um, I'm sure we're going to go into the fabulous work that you're doing in, in Trinidad. I know you're heavily involved in helping people flourish with their own skills, especially with um, confidence speaking, public yeah. speaking which uh, we're going to touch on, I guess, um, shortly. But if you don't mind, I wanted to actually take it back um, a few years, quite a few years. Because yeah. um, we, of course, studied together for three years. Yeah, of course, yeah. In the UK. But what is now University of Bedfordshire, in our day, was University of Luton. <laughs> You're right, yeah, so it's changed now. The name has changed to the University of Bedfordshire. And yeah. just for those watching, of course, we studied um, media performance. And... I think from the very beginning, and I don't think I've ever shared this with you, but you struck me as being quite a confident person, but you seem to have this inner confidence. Um, and naturally you weren't, I would say, um, a loud person at university. I always felt you were a thinker, someone who thought a lot about their experience. Yeah, yeah. How close do you think that is to who you actually were back at university? Is, is, there, is there a sense in that? Absolutely right. You're hitting the nail on the head there. And, and that was for several reasons. Um, confident because I think I came into the class, um, I, I was older than everybody. At, the, at that time, I was 24. And a lot of you guys were starting out at, at 18 or, or, or something like that. So there was that age difference uh, that caused... Um, me to be a little more confident, um, also having migrated from um, another country, I felt that it was, you know, important to kind of, you know, um, just to kind of, you know, assert myself, you know, and not kind of be too shy and fall back, but kind of assert myself. But it, it wasn't hard at all. I mean, it, it was because it's media and we, we all were there with that mindset that we're here to be creative and, and things like that. Um, it was quite easy. And um, of course, you and I had a, a natural flow. We both had a passion for, for acting, for media and that kind of thing. So uh, we naturally flowed well together with a couple of others, Nelly, you know, and stuff like that. So um, it was an easy bunch to work with, but I think um, that confidence came from um, just, you know, wanting to assert myself in a new environment, which isn't always easy, but um, I just had to um, overcome all the challenges of being, um, uh, from a different country and so on and just assert myself you know and um, it, it worked <laughs> it worked out yeah so would you say that the course itself did something special for you throughout the three years what would you say were your main um, 
takeaways from, from those three years. Because like for me, I think it did a tremendous amount for my own confidence. Um, you yeah. may remember I yeah. came into that environment um, very introvert, I was extremely shy, and it took me actually yeah. quite a while to actually become comfortable yes. with the environment. Um, yes. And it was a blessing really to have a course which forces you to come out of that um, that oh, yeah. introvertness which I had. Yeah. Um, it forces you to come out of your shell with performance, acting and presenting. So that's what it did for me. I'd be interested to know what that experience did for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, along the same lines, pretty similar. And as you rightfully said, we had to do a lot of performances and we, we had to work in groups. And I think working in groups um, at uni was one of the great things for me. It, it built that kind of um, team building. I even remember for our final project, we had so much work to do towards that final production. And, you know, I learned so much about people during that time and working with people and time schedules and understanding people's emotions and things like that. I think um, during that final production, there were some tears. It, it was just so much, <laughs> you know? So I learned about working with people and I realized that I had a love for working along with people who uh, were you know, in my similar industry and things like that. And I think, uh, that's where my passion sort of grew with understanding that um, people are what I and who I want to, you know, invest my time and my energy in. And that definitely came out of, you know, working alongside the groups, you guys at uni. It was an incredible growing experience. And, and it also kind of took me out of my local comfort zone. Of course, I'm from Trinidad and Tobago for those of your listeners who don't know. And um, of course, I was in a local shell, but coming to class, I mean, we had people from um, all over Europe and just, you know, places just everywhere. So it was a, a nice melting pot of cultures that, you know, we were able to work alongside and really build and grow. So that, that was one of the amazing things to me, learning to work with different people and enjoying that experience and realizing that's that's what I was meant to do. <laughs> no, that, that's really interesting. Thanks so much for yeah. sharing that. Um, yeah. Now, of course, fast forward to, to where you are now. You're heavily involved in um, media, helping people with things like public speaking. And yeah. did you always know when you left university that at some point your work would be involved in media? Because I know a lot of people in the group who studied with us didn't necessarily go into media yeah um, which is also quite normal for a lot of people who study university did you always know that you wanted to do something in media um i did i did from quite a young age actually um before i came to uni i was actually working on radio and i thought you know i want to expand and grow and um, I decided to migrate and study. So it had always been a passion of mine to work in radio. I always say radio is my first love, you know? So it was my first job and I enjoyed it thoroughly. And then I came over to study and I knew that um, I wanted to continue in the field of media. I did some television as well, which I absolutely love. And um, I want to, you know, continue in that field, you know, but um, I've always known that, um, I would be involved in media in some way, but it has um, 
it has morphed over the years. So it isn't only just that I work on radio, but now that I teach radio, um, not only that I work on TV, but I also teach TV and it has blossomed into the area of public speaking, which is kind of taking over. So, you know, I'm seeing growth and, you know, that's going in directions that I may not have imagined. So public speaking, I didn't imagine that I, I would have such a, an overwhelming response, you know, of people being interested in the field. Um, and that has, I've been looking at it some more and um, people are, the main thing with public speaking is that people want to uh, get over their fear of, you know, speaking to the camera, speaking to live audiences and just being more confident. And that is an area that I've seen myself growing into over the years. Now, I've never been to um, that part of the world. I've never traveled to Trinidad, but from, from the outside, it seems people there are very friendly, very, very confident. Um, so how, how, oh, is that your phone? Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, no worries. it happens, it happens, no worries. Um, see, what I wanted to ask was, as I said, from the outside, it seemed as if um, the, the Trinidadian culture you, if you like, is is very um, confident um, in, in their demeanour, um, generally as people, quite confident people. So has it been easy or has it been, would you say, a challenge to speak to people in your local community about public speaking? Have people taken a natural liking to it? On the local market here? Yeah. Um, I think so. Um, yes, we are a warm people, the Caribbean at large, and let me extend an invitation to you anytime you're ready, come through <laughs> when the borders open, of course. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so we're gen generally uh, very warm people, very kind-hearted, very jolly, and very talkative. So we are talkative people, but I found that um, Within that, there are a lot of people. It's easy to talk in your in your family group in private and things like that, you know, um, and stuff like that. But when it comes to uh, doing things on a larger scale, going in front of an audience, uh, customer service, you know, being on the phone, um, things like that, hosting events, uh, people tend to clam up. You know, they tend to have a lot of anxiety. Anxiety is a big thing, you know, that, oh my gosh, I have to do this, I have to do this. And, you know, um, you have to sing on stage, you have to do something at your local school or, or your office, you have to host some meeting. All these kinds of things create such an anxiety. So even though you're quite comfortable with your family, with your friend groups, and you're very talkative in these kind of scenarios, when it comes to something more formal, and where there's a bigger expectation from you, a type of anxiety kicks in that people aren't able to, to deal with. It kind of, you know, destabilizes them and they're not able to perform. So a lot of people have been flocking to the course simply because, uh, Luan, we want to get over this anxiety. We want to be able to speak confidently, to influence our audience and things like that. But I'm so nervous. So, you know, um, in the local market, and I've had students abroad as well, and this seems to be the central theme of what they need help with. Cool. That's interesting because I guess um, when we were studying at university, 
we all went through the experiences that now your students are going through. That challenge of overcoming that fear, the anxiety of, of public yeah. speaking. Yes. So when you're teaching your students, do you find that you're often relating back to your own experience? Do you ever have flashbacks of your time at university? <laughs> Sometimes I do. Sometimes I do. I do. Um, you'd remember one of our favorite lecturers, Margot Annette. Um, she was um, she was very warm and she was very gifted and talented and um, she was very hands-on with with um, giving her feedback. So um, I, I remember her, I remember her style and I've been able to sort of implement that style. When I deal with students, you know, I do the sandwich method and the sandwich method is really where I give a compliment after they've performed or done their piece. I give a compliment, then I give feedback, what could have been done better? And then I sandwich it with good job and keep going and things like that. And I found, I've kind of picked that up from, uh, our lecturer, Margot Annette. She was generous with her feedback. She's, she's called, uh, she's like, okay, puppet. <laughs> so she was very warm and generous with her feedback. And, and, and for me, I found that that helped me to grow and helped me to learn and I've uh, been able to flash back on that and use that in my teaching methods as I move forward. And I found that um, people um, respond very well to being praised and then um, helped and then praised again. So I found that the sandwich method works quite well. <laughs> and that's definitely come from uh, UDDs. Yeah, no, it's funny, it reminds me, um, a very interesting story. So about uh, four to five years ago, I used to live in London, in an area called Muswell Hill, in North London. And um, I was there for about two, two and a half years. And I remember one Saturday, I was just out and about doing some grocery shopping came out of the grocery shop, looked across, and it was Margot across the road. What? Yeah. And I had to, like, <laughs> double take. I was like, surely not. Is that Margot? And it turned out it was. And I tried to cross the road, but I think she was busy, and she had to kind of go off, so I didn't interrupt her right. at the time. And then I followed up with her message on Facebook. I said, um, I think I saw you the other day. Do you live in North London? Yeah. And she replied back and said, yeah, I'm in the same area. What? Then we caught up for coffee. This was about four or five years ago. Um, caught up right. for coffee in the local area. And then she actually came onto this podcast about two and a half years ago. Wow. Yeah, so oh, it was an incredible goodness. experience. Um, and I, I remember actually um, getting quite emotional during the podcast yeah. because I had so many memories yeah. of what she did for me. And as you know, she was quite an incredible person, an incredible character. Yeah. And she had a very unique way of not only teaching, but instilling belief in us that yeah. we were capable and we were, or we did have it in us to, to perform um, to some level. Yeah. So, so yeah. Wow, how so, yeah. amazing. So that, 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 yeah, you should send me that link. I would love to look at that. I will, I will. Um, yeah, yeah. It, was a very, it was a very moving conversation for me personally, um, knowing what she yeah. did for all of us. Yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah, so we had another great um, lecturer, uh, Maria. That's right, yeah. Maria, yeah. And I, I do keep in touch with Maria on Facebook. So that's been great as well, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's always lovely to stay in touch with people because we forget. Yeah. In the stage of our life where 
you know, part of our initial growth in, um, into kind of our working life. Um, and, you know, thank God for social media where we can... <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I want to talk a bit more about um, your company, Increase Media, I believe. Increase yeah, Media. Increase Media. <clears throat> has that been um, going well for you? Has that been successful? And how have people been resonating with the work that you're doing? Right, so um, Increase Media, well, we've been around since 2013. I think I left um, the UK in 2012. And um, as soon as I came back to Trinidad, I started working on radio and then I thought um, I would start teaching as well. So we kicked off in 2013 and um, it was uh, slow progress, I would say. I was now coming into the teaching market, so I had to kind of... Uh, build up my credibility as a tutor and stuff like that so it did take a lot of time to build um i think to be fair i'm only now seeing the rewards of all the work that i've put in over the years so um it has been a lot of building so we're talking about five six years of just building putting content in putting my time in my efforts my energies my expertise uh, not getting much back, but still continuing. I, you know, I even remember situations like um, I, I had my course all planned out and I advertised as much as I could and only one person responded. So I thought, you know what, I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to do it with one person. So I got to the location that I had rented uh, to do the course and I'm there and I'm waiting for this one person. The one person she comes, so she comes, I'm like, yes, I'm so thankful. So I'm going to do my best, whatever. So she sits there. We have a little conversation before we get started. And um, I, 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 I had told her the price, but I, I think she misunderstood the amount. So when we discussed the amount, because she hadn't paid yet. So when we discussed the amount, she said, okay, I'm going to the car to come back. She left and so there, she never came back. <laughs> She literally never came back and I was left there with the building, having to cover the rent for that course and you know, so there's been a lot over the years in terms of building and growing a business, but I, I can safely say that um, within the last year or two, I have been able to see the results, especially when it comes to um, word of mouth. So everyone that I would have um, tutored over the years, they were able to uh, tell their friends and so on. So it's been a progression of credibility build up. And now I'm seeing the rewards where people are coming to me, they're asking for the service and people are recommending the service. So it's been a slow build, but it's, it was a short build and it's reaping rewards now. So, you know, that's a little tip for people getting into business and you're thinking, oh my goodness, nothing's happening. I'm not making a profit. I'm putting out so much valuable content. I'm not seeing anything in return. Keep doing it. You're going to get to a point where that thing is going to just blow up and you're going to see the rewards, you know? So, yeah. yeah. So, right. I guess you just have to keep going. Um... I was in a similar situation, that story you just um, told about that one person coming in and leaving. I remember doing my first event, this was actually in Luton, about three years ago, and okay. no one turned up. 
No one turned up. Are you kidding me? I, I, I had reservations because I did it through this website called uh, Eventbrite. And right. I had maybe five, six people who actually purchased the ticket. It was actually a free event. It wasn't ticketed at the time. Because this, this was my way of trying to build a profile, trying to get out there. Of course, and yeah. more so for me to build confidence in my own message. And yeah, I remember getting really excited at having five, six people um, confirm. I got the emails, had their names, everything. Right. Got the place, negotiated um, a free venue, got all the food, the snacks, the drinks, ready right. to go. And come the time, I was like, oh, it's getting quite close to the time. No one's turning up. <laughs> and then I thought, okay, let me wait 15 minutes. Gave it 15 minutes, still no one. And then uh, half an hour later, I thought, you know, one's going to turn up so you're actually you yeah so you're absolutely right when you're, trying, wow. when you're trying to start something you have to realize that it's not always going to be plain sailing right from the beginning and like yeah. you said it's that continuous grind of daily yeah. um, content whether it's speaking to people or producing content on social media absolutely. how, how much has social media um, played a role for you because i know you do have social media accounts which um we can share as well how have you found the process of sharing your content on social media? Um, yeah, for sure. Um, so people can um, contact or follow uh, Increase Media um, on Instagram or on Facebook. So we're building uh, we're building those profiles, and um, you can it's di a direct message process. So right now, um, my business is at the place where I can directly speak with people and my courses are live um, I think there's a lot of a value in doing live sessions although I do understand why there are a lot of on-demand courses I mean you can't reach everybody there's only one of you but um, I feel that especially now that I'm branching off into the international market in the US the UK even Australia um, I, I want to start with the live sessions. I, I think that they work a lot better when you're able to connect with someone, well, virtually face-to-face, -face, <laughs> which is the best we can do right now. I think there's a lot more value in that. So um, it's very easy for people just to reach out, uh, uh, send a message in my DM or an email. All the information is there in my bio. And uh, I do live sessions. And I think it's more fruitful. It's more productive. Um, and we we just dive in there and we, we do um, things based on what you need. So every person would need something different when it comes to the area of public speaking. So I try to focus in on what that person needs. I mean, I do do group sessions as well. The majority of my courses are group sessions, but I do do a lot of one-on-one -on -one because I think there's a lot of value in that. And again, I love uh, communicating with people, chatting with people, meeting new people. So um, that's, that's, that's one of my buzz. <laughs> that's one of my buzz, meeting people and doing the one-on-one -on -one sessions. It's amazing, you know, how much you learn about people, about cultures, about different worlds and things like that. It's amazing. Yeah. No, I'll definitely include um, all your social media handles um, at the bottom of the notes yeah. um, for you yeah. so people know how to get in touch with you. Now, yeah, if there are people out there, maybe even here in the UK, who are considering um, learning about public speaking, what it entails, but they're a bit nervous, they're a bit scared, what would be, if you, if you could think of, say, two or three key pieces of advice that you share with your current clients, what would you say to them um, for them to feel more comfortable? 
Yeah, um, of course. Um, so in terms of being more comfortable um, in front of your Zoom screen, um, in front of a live audience uh, with anything that you have to do, um, the first thing I would say um, is practice. Practice is so key. I, it probably sounds like a cliche. It probably sounds like, oh, gosh, I've heard that before. But listen, it actually does work. Get in front of your mirror and practice, practice, practice what you're going to do. Because what that does, it kind of uh, sets it in your brain. So it's kind of like on auto. So by the time you get in front of your camera or in front of your live audience, you've said it so many times in your mind, it's just going to roll off your tongue. All right. So that's one thing they can do. Another thing that I, I tell um, my students and my clients to do is um, to get laughing before you go on stage. They're like, what? I'm like, yeah, laugh. Get your favorite joke on, get a meme on, get something that gets you laughing. What that does is actually it counteracts the adrenaline. So laughter releases um, endorphins that counteract the adrenaline that's released when you're nervous. So it actually has a medical benefit. So it's not just laughing for laughing's sake. Laughing really does counteract the nerves and the adrenaline that's released. So you can try that just before you go on. And um, another thing you can probably do, another um, little pro tip that you can try um, just before you go on, um, just before you go in front of your live audience or whatever and things like that is to um, get a little massage <laughs> your body instantly relaxes you get somebody to do your little shoulder massage or back massage or whatever you know and that instantly tells the body okay we're we're going into relaxed mode don't overdo it because you're going to sleep mode, but <laughs> just enough to get the body relaxed to bring the, you know, the tension down. So those are some things you can do. And um, I've written a book about it, Severe. It's called uh, 101 Ways to Overcome Glossophobia. Don't be a nervous wreck. <laughs> 101 Ways to Overcome Glossophobia. It's available on Amazon right now, an ebook. And I, I list 100 ways to overcome glossophobia um, organically over a period of time. And then I also list 10 quick fix tips. So you have to speak tomorrow. You don't have time to put into practice everything else. These are 10 things you can do immediately that's going to cut that anxiety and fear. So folks can look that up too. <laughs> awesome. No, I'll uh, make sure that I include that in the link at the bottom as well. Um, so, yes. so people um, can go to that. Now, there may also be people who are thinking, okay, I'm interested in public speaking. I want to build my confidence. I want to add this um, this skill to to my arsenal. They may also be thinking, okay, if I do that, what kind of opportunities um, are out there in the world of work? So, what would you say to to those people? Oh yeah, um, it's an all round skill. It's a life skill. Um, public speaking. I mean, every employer is looking for someone that has the confidence to be able to build their brand and to take their product forward. So uh, first of all, it's an amazing life skill to have just for yourself, for your personal confidence and your personal growth, you know, learning a new skill, it, 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 it does something for you. So um, it, it has that personal benefit first to begin with. Um, it's valuable to any employer because you're going to be able to assist them to uh, confidently push their brand forward. And coming out of the course, what I've seen is that a lot of people, um, you know, they find they get in 
uh, in touch with a lot of their creativity because I give them uh, exercises to do, which are sometimes outside of their comfort zone. And they're able to tap into a creative energy that's probably been lying there and they've not been too um, brave enough to pull forward. So it taps into that creative energy and you know it allows people to um, explore things that they may not have thought of before you know they would probably explore doing another type of job um, as a sideline business that they probably wouldn't have considered before so it just opens them up to a lot and makes them more marketable more confident and you know has the potential to grow their income really so um I'd recommend it if I don't say so myself. <laughs> That's good. I'm sure people will find that interesting. Um, now, I, I talk a lot about um, the importance of um, excellence in our work, in our careers. Yeah. Um, especially the importance of um, character, uh, integrity, and, and high performance. Do you think that these traits um, are important when it comes to um, public speaking? Um, and even, even in roles where, as you say, you need you need to have that asset of being able to deliver confidently. Do you think we have enough, or do you see enough of this in workplaces? Um, so wherever you've worked in the past or contacts that you have, do you see that as, as a common trait in, in people where they're emphasizing high performance, character, integrity within their media worlds? Um, yeah, yeah, and I was actually thinking about this, I was thinking about the work that you do in terms of, you know, excellence on the workplace and things like that, I was thinking about that this week, because I knew we were chatting, and I thought, you know, I said, it's such an incredible area that you're in, and an incredible niche, you know, uh, employers, you know, now that I'm, uh, employer myself, you know, I have people working for me, I realized how important it was when I was an employee. I mean, when you're an employee, you, you don't think about your boss, you don't think about, you don't care about them, <laughs> you know, but when you become an employer, you realize um, how much you need your employees to be disciplined and focused, and I think that there is um, a, a high demand with employers wanting that sort of excellence from their employees across the board, world over. Um, and I think it's important. I think um, pub the public speaking course helps you to build uh, disciplines as well that would be useful in the workplace. But just to touch into your field a little bit, I believe that that character and integrity development of the workplace is so important. It's important because what you give out there, um, that's what you're going to kind of receive in return. So if you're giving your employer, you know, just late and, you know, not doing your best and stuff like that, you find that that's generated back into your life in other ways. So it's incredibly important to build uh, that discipline on the workplace. At some point, you might be an employer and you're going to want to have your employees being honest, number one. Uh, being on time and being invested and involved in growing your business um, as well. So it's, I see the need for it across the board. And I think that there is a high demand for excellence in the workplace because a lot of times uh, um, employees operate from a place where they don't see the need to be um, excellent, but the need is there simply because what you give 
is what you generate back to yourself, you know? So it's super important. And I was thinking about that earlier this week, you know, and I was, I was thinking about the work that you do and how important it is, you know, for employees to have this information that you give up, you know, because it is, it's investing in themselves at the end of the day and not just their job, you know, it is an investment in themselves. So, yeah. That is interesting. You just mentioned a moment ago about the importance of the impact it has on, on oneself. Um, so when you produce extraordinary results, it's ultimately for yourself. And I guess the work that you're doing in helping people with confidence and public speaking is very much about that, isn't it? The journey. And we've been through that journey at university. Yeah. And we know that it does a tremendous yeah. amount for you. It, it allows you, or even forces you, I guess, to ask a lot of questions about yourself. Like, who are you? Yeah. What do you stand for? Why are you not confident? What's holding you back? Do you, do you find that um, experience um, resonates in your kind of one-to-ones that you have with people? Yeah, yeah, definitely it does. Um, sometimes it grows out of public speaking into the whole personal development area. You know, it's so amazing because, you know, conversation... Um, grows as you speak it just grows and it morphs into its own thing so I have found that you know as I as I deal with people one-on-one in the area of public speaking it does morph into how can I be better uh, things like wait a minute why am I not confident and and sometimes you you trace things all the way back to um childhood you know situations that would have happened that would have had an impact on you and then you would have been you would have not been conscious that that's the thing that makes you, you know, less confident in this or that area. I've seen um, instances where um, people have been um, told things as children, and it's important when you talk to your children, but they've been told things as children and they didn't even realize that that was affecting them from speaking out and even even the, the level of their voice, because I, I talk about voice tones and things as a part of the course, and some people are unable to speak loud. And when you trace it back, it's because of something that would have been said to them or something that happened in their childhood and they're not able to project their voice and things like that. So it's, it's, it's so wide and I see a lot of, um, I see a lot of people and I, I do a lot of sessions with people and it, it's, it morphs out of public speaking into, you know, wait a minute, why am I, you know, why am I like this? And what, you know, what can I change? What can I fix? What do I need to, you know, mend and things like that. So it's a very um, holistic journey, you know, a very, very holistic journey. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. And the way you've explained it, that, that never crossed my mind, actually. And it's so interesting, because I guess in a way, when yeah. you're working with your with your clients one-to-one, as you say, you're, they're often being forced to go into thoughts that maybe they didn't even feel existed um, to yeah. some extent, right? So in a way, you're having to morph as well in your role as not just a yeah. public speaking coach, but also slash counsellor, if you like. Listen, yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> That's absolutely true. How do you cope with that? Yeah, um, and you're so right about that because um, sometimes people are, 
dealing with uh, family issues um, and things like that. And, and all that affects their confidence and things like that, you know? So um, I, I, I'm sure to let people know beforehand, look, I'm not a counselor, but I do, I, I do empathize with your situation. I, I understand. And um, what I can do is share from my life experiences and you know, how I've handled things along the way and things like that. And this can, this can help them. So sometimes all people need is really a listening ear, somebody just to listen. And I've found that that has become a part of um, my one-on-one -on -one sessions where I just listen, where people just need someone that's neutral to talk to, you know, someone who doesn't know about them personally or anything, and they can just listen neutrally probably offer some advice based on their experience or if they've been through something like that, but mainly just to listen to them and to be interested in what they're saying and to be concerned about them. And I find that people respond to you when you show concern. I always try to, um, as much as is possible, follow up with people who have um, completed the course, they've done, we had a great exchange. I try to, you know, follow up at least maybe once or twice just to, you know, make sure everything is all right. So it's just not about the money and the experience, but it, it, it's more than that. It's about literally caring about the person as they move forward and trying to support as much as is possible without overextending myself, you know, but offering that measure of support. So um, I do, I think the best thing that you can offer in situations like that is to listen and to empathize and to show genuine and absolute concern. And that's literally what I, what I do with my, uh, with my clients, yeah. Cool. And I also want to ask a bit about, about your experience as well in, in what you do, because it, it's quite incredible helping people bring up their own issues with confidence. Um, I'd be interested to know what the experience does for you. How do you find upliftment in the work that you do? Um, so wow, that's a great question. Yeah, that's an absolutely great question. Um, and, and, and I'm glad you asked it because a lot of times when you pour into people, you tend to pour out so much and then you're like, oh my gosh, I feel tired. <laughs> so, um, so for me, what has, what has helped me over the years is um, spirituality, my spiritual relationship, my relationship with God. I, I found that it's been very filling, you know, um, and um, routines. Uh, have been important for me. So um, I would have a routine of, you know, waking up and spending time with God, getting full. And then I would go about my day. And, and then in the evening, I would try um, a wind down routine, you know, watch a movie. I'm still watching Dr. Nabi. I don't know why it's done so many years ago, but I enjoy it. So that's like a wind down for me. So I have found that um, routines help to um, to keep me in check. So um, I, I take the morning, very I, I first part of the day, to spend with God and to fill up, and I, and that carries me through the day. And then in the evening time, I I try to wind down with with things that I enjoy. You know, uh, my favorite TV shows. 
uh, my favorite foods, you know, and things like that. And, and so that, that routine has sort of kept me, you know, and I think um, building a routine that you like, not that you feel forced to do, but that you like, uh, try, uh, it does keep you, it does fill you, it does strengthen you. So that's been working for me for now. I want to add um, traveling to my, <laughs> as soon as the borders open, I want to get in the air. And I think that's going to continue um, energizing and filling me. So doing things that you like, you know, at structured times, you know, structure is important for your day and for your life, you know, and it's not that I have a down pack, I'm working out stuff, <laughs> but I found that, you know, structure and routine helps to keep me, you know, filled, grounded, and, you know, I know where I'm going and what I'm doing, I'm able to give more. So that's helped, that's helped. Good. Now, as, as I mentioned um, earlier in our conversation, I went to see my parents um, for a couple of weeks over the Christmas period. Yes. And for some reason- How are they? They're doing well, they're doing well. Um, they're, just oh, outside awesome. of, they're just outside of Luton in Bedfordshire. Um, yeah. So that's where my parents are. and. Um, for some reason, because you were talking about um, structuring your day, the importance of organisation, um, for some reason I find it difficult when I go away from my surroundings for a prolonged period of time. When I return, I always need two or three days until I'm able to get back to my routine and structure. Yeah, and yeah. I was pondering over this literally the last couple of days because I was in a slump last week for about two, two and a half days. And I really had to fight hard to come out of that mental slump. What would be your advice? I mean, I'm asking this from a selfish point of view, I guess. Um, what, would be, <laughs> what would be your advice to um, try and deal with these slumps that I have every time I go away and then return? Are there any tools and tactics that you feel I could maybe use? Um, well, I think um, even though I have been talking about structure and organization and things like that, I, I think it's important for us to remember that um, that we shouldn't um, idolize these things, you know, like, oh my God, if I don't do this, you know, so um, the human part of us, the natural part of us, um, kind of sometimes just goes its, its own way and it kind of physically tells you what it needs, you know? So I wouldn't even um, term it slump at all. I would, I would just say it's the body saying, hey, hello, knock, knock, knock. <laughs> I want some rest, <laughs> right? Um, and, and in times like that, when um, there's a mental block, you just feel like, oh, it could be, the body saying, okay, let's, let's recharge, let's do something different. Um, I came across the word serendipity, which is where you, uh, you know, bounce upon something that is amazing. So, um, and when I was reading the book on that, it was just talking about take a different way home, uh, watch, a, watch a TV show in a different language, speak to someone you've never spoken to before, shop in a different grocery. Uh, you know, so just that you place yourself in chance encounters. So when you do feel not slump, but the body talking to you, it then is an opportunity to do something creative so that you can physically put yourself into a situation where you spring, where creativity springs again. So um, 
yeah, you might have this to do by that time and you don't feel like doing it. Okay, great. I'm going to, I'm going to go to a dance class. What? I don't even, I can't dance. Go. You're going to meet someone there. You're going to see something. You're going to hear something. It's going to spark you, you know? So I, I'm definitely one for kind of just going with your body and listening to what your body is saying or your mind is saying. I want something different. I want to do something different. I want to, don't force me to do this, you know, that kind of way. So that's probably how I would do and how I do actually deal with things. You know, I, I, well, I know it's super cold there, but, you know, I come out, I go for a walk, you know, I take a different pathway home and things like that just to, see something different hear something different see a different person you know that kind of way so yeah okay well thank you i appreciate that advice i've definitely noted it down mental note thank you <laughs> absolutely um so before we wrap up Joanne, um i just want to give you this opportunity to um let us know of how people can get in touch so if there are any social media platforms that you want to share um because i know you're reaching out now to people in the uk as well you mentioned earlier yeah. you're going global, you're going worldwide with your product speaking, which is great. Yeah. So yeah, if someone um, outside of Trinidad watching this and they want to connect with you about public speaking, what's the best way to do that? Absolutely. And thank you so much for this opportunity, Sabir. So persons trying to contact me can email increase.media at hotmail.com. That's increase.media at hotmail.com. Or you can uh, head over to Instagram right now. It's increase.media. On Instagram, you can send us a DM right there. Um, we've also got the website in link in our bio, so you can click on that and schedule a session. Um, we're on Facebook as well, so if you're a Facebook person, just uh, look for Increase Media on Facebook, and um, you can send us a message there. We'll get back to you. So, um, so yeah, we we live we live on social media. We're always there. So once you message, you're almost guaranteed to get a response uh, straight away. <laughs> Okay, great. Thank you so much. And um, I just want to ask you one question. So this is a question that um, I want to start asking now to every guest who appears on the podcast. If I may, what is sure. your personal definition of personal excellence? So according to Luanne, how would you define personal excellence? So this could be in any setting. Hmm. Nice question. Personal excellence. Um... How would I define personal excellence? Um, I would define it as um, finding your favorite role and doing your best at it. You know, um, excellence, excellence tends to want to seem like an unreachable target. You have to be so perfect, but it's, to me, it, it speaks about uh, doing your favorite thing and being really good at it. And if you're doing your favorite thing, you're going to show up on time. You're going to give more, over-deliver. You're going to enjoy it. So I would say doing your favorite thing and being good at it is the definition of personal excellence. Brilliant. That's an amazing definition, Luan. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank, thank, you. thank you for sharing that. So look, Luan, it's been, um, and genuinely from the bottom of my heart, it's been an absolute um, blessing and pleasure connecting with you. I know we haven't yes, spoken yeah. like this for um, close to 15 years, so it really means a lot. Um, yeah, it's been great connecting with amazing. you and the power of social media 
allowed us to do this. Um, yeah, indeed. Yeah, and I hope we stay connected. And um, just a reminder to everyone watching, I will make sure that I include all of Luan's contact details, um, which you just mentioned, all her social media platforms at the bottom in the notes here on YouTube. So you guys can uh, reach out to Luan um, if you wish. She can help you do um, amazing things in the world of uh, confidence and, and public speaking. So um, thank you again, Luan. Yes, Bill, I just want to say a massive thank you to you for this opportunity, you know, um, I'm really, I was so excited about it, and I'm glad that we were able to get it done, it's, it's been brilliant, it's been refreshing, I feel energized, <laughs> so glad we're able to connect after all these years, and I want to wish you the absolute best with your business, I think you're doing an amazing work, and um, hopefully we can work together in the future. That means a lot, thank you so much, and I know it's coming close to your own lunchtime now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It, you know it is pretty much. Do you know what's on the menu yet for lunch? Um, every Sunday, my dad cooks. So we all go to my dad's house on a Sunday. Okay. So um, I'm not quite sure what's on the menu, but it's always good. Daddy's cooking is always good. So, you know, I'm heading down there and I know I'm going to be super happy. <laughs> Uh, enjoy the fantastic uh, food. I hope you have a yeah. good afternoon. And, uh, Thank you. I'm sure we'll catch up again very soon. Absolutely. Looking forward to it, Sabir. All the very best. All right. Take care. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. Hey guys, just me again. I want to say a massive thank you to you for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, if you're looking for more doses of efficiency and productivity, you can always catch me on Instagram where I will keep you updated on uh, all of my guests who appear on the Sabir Bharti show. You can uh, reach me on Instagram using my handle at I am Sabir Bharti. That's at I am Sabir Bharti. Thank you once again. It was a uh, an absolute pleasure having your company and I'm sure I will speak to you again very very soon. Take care now. Bye-bye.